This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon as we are nearing the end of Mitch Marathon Month. Uh, as we hit August, we will be going back to two episodes a week, maybe three, depending on how it goes. But uh, Mitch Marathon Month, where we are doing an episode a day, is going to be closing out by July 31st. So uh, we've got some great ones in the can still. Uh, Gary Peel, who of course played with Sammy Hager in Boston. We've got uh, producer David Prater, who uh, produced the arcade albums, the Stephen Piercy arcade albums, uh, Night Rangers Feeding Off the Mojo. We've got a couple of guys from Foreigner, uh, Robin Trower, and uh, today we have got our second double episode in a row. Yeah, I haven't been doing double episodes anymore. And, uh, you know, with Mitch Marathon Month of an interview a day, you would figure that, you know, 31 interviews in a month would be enough. But no, uh, yesterday we had George Thurgood and his uh, guitar tech, uh, Rev Jones. And today we have got, yes, bassist Billy Sherwood. He uh, talked to me about the uh, new Yes 50 Live uh, anniversary tour album and his own solo album called Citizen in the Next Life. So uh, a lot of great uh, Yes content there. And um, I'm going to throw this one out as a bonus. Last year, when Yes was on the 50th anniversary tour, I had a chance to speak with singer John Davison. And it was essentially a year today to the day. I mean, it was July of 2018 that I spoke to him. And they were on tour for this 50th anniversary. And now, on August 2nd, we have the 50th anniversary album, you know, tour album. And so, I just as a bonus, we're going to revisit this interview, sort of a in the process of the tour, and then the Billy interview with the, well, the tour happened, and here is the uh, Memento live disc. So, yes, 50 Live is coming out. And, um, yeah, so I, so I ran the interview last year, and it, it's just a bonus. So instead of getting 30 minutes of yes, you're going to get an hour of yes. And, you know, last year I was on a different platform, and some of you may not have heard it. It might have slipped through the cracks. And at the time, uh, by contract, I wasn't allowed to load interviews up to YouTube. Things had to be exclusive to the provider. So you can't even go to YouTube and search it. So so you're going to get a double episode. And, and, and who doesn't love, by the way, Billy Sherwood? Uh, the guy is multi-talented. I mean, he, he does it all. He does the studio stuff, you know, the producing and all this stuff. He, he, he does the, the bass playing. Uh, we, of course, talk about Chris Squire, so it will be a fascinating chat. In fact, you know what? Instead of rambling on and telling you about Heavy Montreal that's coming up and the Billy Idol and the Brian Adams tour and all these shows that I'm going to be doing recently and, and or, or having some kind of, hey, should we still buy CDs discussion, let's just get into yes, right? Let's just say yes to yes. And uh, up first is the new interview recorded last week in uh, July of 2019 with bassist Billy Sherwood. And then just for fun, just for a why not, 
we are going to revisit the interview with singer John Davison from July 2018. And so here we are. Without further ado, it is the one, the only, Billy Sherwood. We are speaking with uh, bassist uh, Billy Sherwood, of course, of Yes and Asia and and Solo. He's got a new album coming out called Citizen in the Next Life. Uh, Billy, an absolute pleasure uh, to, to speak with you today. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and we, we've got a few uh, a few buddies in, in common there, but like we were saying, uh, Frankie Benelli and, of course, Ron uh, Bumblefoot Fall. So, so let me start with uh, Ron. You, you, of course, are in Asia with Ron. Talk to me about yep. bringing him into the band and what, what he adds to to the sound, because, you know, we know him from Guns N' Roses and we know him from, from doing sort of more of a hard rock, heavy metal thing. And now he's in Asia. How, how did that come about, and and how is that sounding? Um, well, Asia's really, you know, the operational procedures are decided by um, Jeff and um, Carl, really. Uh, you know, the original guys, and they uh, they sought out Ron. I guess they done some work with him in some capacity, and uh, really loved his voice. Knew he was an amazing talent, and. Uh, asked him into the band and I think it's been a great thing to have him. He's just a phenomenal musician, great singer, and just a really nice guy. So it's been really, really nice to have him involved. It, it, it really is. And so, so let me get over here real quick and we'll, we'll sort of move back and forth, but you do have this solo album coming out. Uh, this is part two in a sense. Talk to me sort of about, uh, about the concept of the citizen and, is it sort of a, a part one and a part two with these albums and we see a part three and a part four or how do you sort of put these together? Well, I think the concept of the uh, citizen characters is basically like a wandering sort of lost soul that's uh, reincarnated in various uh, individuals in history. And uh, most of it's factual, some of it's fictional. But um, it just really provides me an opportunity to write about uh, things in history that interest me and also just a, a creative tack to be able to focus on a, a character in a song and try to build a little quick story around it per song, where I don't necessarily do that in any of the other stuff that I do. I just sort of freeform write uh, music and words and whatnot, where this is conceptually all bound up into one package. And uh, <clears throat> I was surprised when the label called me to do another one, quite happy to do it. And I'm glad I did. And uh, it does seem like something that's uh, conceptually viable enough to, to do more and more of. So we'll just have to see if there's a third and a fourth one. But right now, I'm just excited to have this uh, new record coming out July 12th and see what people think about it. Well, I've had a chance to hear it and it, it sounds great. So, so, But talk to me about, uh, you're the only musician on it. Uh, was that important yeah. for was that important for you to, to have sort of complete control of the vision or do you see yourself at some point saying all right let's do citizen 3 and let's bring in Carl Palmer let's bring in uh, Ron Thaw let's bring in some buddies let's call Frankie Benelli and ask him how do you sort of <laughs> see that moving forward uh well the first record as you know has various artists on it and guests on every track and and when the label contacted me for this one they were you know curious what I'd be interested in doing a pure solo album in you know, every sense of the word and you got to do everything myself, which I'm sort of known for in my own way. 
And uh, I, I enjoyed doing both. Um, it's a different process when you know that you're going to write something for someone else. You're sort of thinking about their key centers and, and where their ranges work locally or what kind of style their guitar playing might be, et cetera, where when I'm working by myself, I, I don't think about any of that stuff and I just create what I want to create. And I don't have to ask anyone for an opinion on anything. I can just kind of see the vision myself and just do it that way. So they're different in that regard. And, um, you know, I would bounce back before, back and forth in those realms happily. Um, it just so happens this record, the request was to do it alone, which I, I, I don't mind that at all. So we'll just have to see what happens and how, how it all unfolds. But, um, it's a, different type of record this this time around in that i'm doing it all but it gives it a different flavor even though the concept remains the same you know and just an incredible challenge um the the royal affair tour of course is is going on now but it is coming to a close at the end of this month uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, the tour and how it's gone and and do you think you'd like to uh, move it forward and, and do it again in the fall or maybe again next year. And then also comment just quickly about having Roger Dean uh, on the tour as well, the artist and, and, and what he brings to the whole sort of sp- spectacle of the, of the show. Sure. Sure. Well, the, the, the whole tour has been really unique and really wonderful and to be involved with um with Carl's ELP legacy opening and then John Lodge's band, which is amazing. And John, uh, doing Moody's tracks and, and other tracks and then Asia, of course. And, and then you get, yes. So it's quite a lengthy show and it's a, a huge production and, uh, it's, it's kind of like a traveling circus right now. <laughs> and, uh, it's been a blast because everybody likes each other and we're all laughing and hanging out on the road and, uh, you know, enjoying each other's company, so to speak. So, it's it's unique in that way. Usually, yes, plays alone or with one opening act, but in this case, it's almost a festival type of feeling. So, it's been it's been great to do that. And uh, there's there's chatter about it going into other uh, markets, but we'll just have to see what happens. But it's been quite successful, so I wouldn't doubt that you you don't see this in other markets globally speaking. And uh, as far as the, as far as the future beyond it, <clears throat> we'll have to see what happens. You know, things things can change and we might be doing a different type of tour next time or, or maybe we'll extend this concept. I'm not sure it's too early to tell. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was talking to, uh, to Carl the other day and he said that he would love to see Asia record new music and, and hopefully things will align in that direction. Uh, is that a hope that you share with him or is that something he hopes and he's got to convince you guys? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm always open to making new music. I'm, I'm, I love making new music and new records. So I would certainly be into it. Um, and, uh, if the band wanted to go that direction, I would certainly endorse it and support it. So again, we'll just have to see what happens, but anything is possible. And I think it all starts from the, the camaraderie in a band of wanting to hang out and be together and make, make things happen, which the vibe is very much that right now. So it's, uh, it's a good indicator that something could, could take place in that way. Oh, I think that would be great. Now, of course, uh, in Yes, you have uh, assumed the bass duties. Uh, you know, Chris passed away. And then in Asia, uh, you're, you're taking over for John. These are not just two guys. These are two of the greatest musicians known to man. Talk to me about the challenge first in yes of of 
taking over for Chris, do you sort of learn his bass lines and, and what he did down to a T as a tribute? Do you do you throw in your own little thing to say, hey, I'm still Billy here? Um, talk to me about, about that role in Yes, and then we'll talk about Asia. Sure. Well, there's there's a bit of both involved, as you said, where I, I'm staying true to the compositions that, you know, from from my perspective, have to be there to make the music what it is. Uh, you, you can't play da-da-da-da uh, without going da-da-da-da right after it. So I try to stay uh, pure to the to the iconic nature of the thing. And then there are areas where it's a bit of a jam. And so I can stretch out and do my own thing within there. But I, I personally try to pay as much respect to, to the compositions that Chris came up with because they're great. And uh, they're also fun to play. And, uh, you know, I just like painting within those lines that he left so clearly to be followed. And uh, so I, I, I enjoy, you know, I'm also a stickler for detail. I, I've been playing along with these records since I was a kid. So, for instance, Gates of Delirium, which we're playing on tour, I used to play to that when I was 16 just to keep my chops together. So fortunately, I had a head start on that one, getting getting my act together with that one um but there's there's not a lot of room for improv in that track because the the notes are so defined and how they make the chord structures and work and and all those things but there's not really a lot of improv in that but a song like for instance america that we play you know there's a structure to it and there's there's the guidelines to follow but there's a lot of improv that can go on inside of there too where i can stretch out and do my thing so it's a definitely a hybrid is the way i look at it it really is. Um, and, and as for John, uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing a song uh, like a Video Killed a Radio Star and when you're working with, with, with some of the stuff he's done, um, talk to me a little bit about his expertise and, and, you know, learning his parts. Well, John was an amazing musician and, and creator in his own right, and obviously. And, uh, you know, I always respected his bass playing as well. So, again, I try to stay within the composition that he provided so elegantly um and then and then stretch a little bit where it can be stretched and and maybe you know put in some nuances that weren't there before uh you know as i'm playing with carl more and more he and i are locking and 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 adding certain things into the compositions that make it move in a certain way as a rhythm section so there is a bit of freedom in there but it's a different mindset to play the asia bass parts than it is to play the yes bass parts um they're more they're more defined and rigid in uh, asia where yes it's a bit more fluid and and wide open so that the two are very different in that regard i kind of have to think differently for each each project yeah you really do um you also have been a producer over the years and and you've appeared on various bands uh compositions that people don't know in fact there's a a, a def leppard single that has you on there. Um, all I want is everything. Uh, talk to me about being a player, con- con- different uh, as opposed to being a producer. Which one sort of interests you the most? I I really enjoy all facets of this thing that I do. Um, you know, I I sometimes get called to do sessions where people have specific ideas about what they want. So I'm always up for the challenge of trying to deliver on that level. And there's other projects where they just say do your thing and so i can i can just do my thing and send in my overdubs when i'm producing i'm more in the driver's seat as to what i'm really going to do 
and how I'm going to do it. Um, and that's, that's also a cool thing because again, I don't have to ask anyone's opinion. I can just go with what I think my instincts are guiding me towards. So they're, they're different in that way, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm very much about trying to serve the song and, and listen to the song and make the song work as best it can whilst finding some sort of uniqueness within the bass part. So it's not just following a guitar riff around or, or just playing the root note all the time and finding a, an interesting angle into the song, you know, in, in, in the way that Chris always did. And, you know, McCartney and uh, Colin Moulding from XTC, those guys, just found a way to make the bass its own unique part inside the song. And so I, I try to, to do the same type of thing. Uh, yes, last year had the 50th anniversary. The new Yes 50th Live is coming out on August 2nd on Rhino Records. Uh, talk to me a little bit about cool. that album and, and capturing the band live. You, you record a lot of it in Philadelphia that had 10 members of Yes on there, including uh, Tony Kane and and Trevor Horn and, uh, and a bunch of others. Uh, talk to me about that. Um, that was there. Yeah. 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 Uh, Mraz, well, we, uh, we, 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 we did that entire tour was, uh, we had Tony K as our guest with us. And then as you said, in Philly, we just sort of stacked the deck with, with you know, alumni who wanted to come participate, which was an amazing experience. Um, and we recorded shows the entire tour. Um, you know, when I mixed that album, I pulled together, the, the best of the best. I wasn't so concerned with this has to be from one venue from tip to tail as much as what were the best takes that we got of that song on any given night and then hybrid the whole thing together. So it's put together that way. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm a, I'm a yes fan and I want it to be the best it can be. So uh, I'm looking for the best takes that I feel like I can work with to make the mixes shine. And I think we achieved that. And, uh, Patrick Moraz is on the album doing a great version of soon. And obviously Tony K is on there as a guest. And then you've got the, the full band and, and whatnot. And I think it's just a great capture of a time, uh, that was, is, is in fact, you know, very important in yes history. And, you know, that, that 50th anniversary marker is a big one. And so documenting it and getting it as, as great as it can be was my objective when I started mixing the album. And I'm I'm proud of what we came up with and, and the various takes that we got. The band's just on fire, and there's a ton of energy coming off the speakers. So I'm I'm happy about how it's all turned out. Oh, it's 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 a it's a sparkle. Now it's only coming out in August, so but but I've had a chance to hear our preview, and it, it just sounds great. Uh, now the other thing you did, yeah, yeah it, it's going to be great. And in fact, here, I'll just read it for for the folks that aren't listening. But it, it's got. Uh, so you've got Steve Howe, Jeff Downs, Alan White, Billy Sherwood, John Davidson, Jay Shellen, uh, formerly of Hurricane, Tony Kay, Patrick Moraz, Tom Breslin, Trevor Horn, Patrick Moraz. I mean, how's that? I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> it was a really unique yes tour and very much feeling like a celebration of the band's 50th and also honoring, uh, you know, the fallen, so to speak. Uh, within yes, who we've lost and, 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 uh, you know, unfortunately, but, uh, it's just a great representation of the 50th anniversary, I think. Oh, it absolutely is. And, uh, and Jay, Jay is just a monster on drums. I mean, that, that, that sound yeah. he had with Hurricane and, um, Kelly Hansen. Holy, those are some great, yeah. albums. forgotten albums, but great, great albums. Um, the band Conspiracy yeah. that you had with Chris Squire. Two albums, 
talk talk to me about about that band because from 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 the not from the looks of it but on the onset Chris sort of found you as a musician and said hey come along let's let's do this talk, talk to me a little bit about the genesis of that project and uh, also we I know we spoke about Chris just before but what did he mean to you on a on a personal level cuz I've sort of always understood, or maybe I fantasize it, that he sort of found you and liked you and, and brought you along and said, this is my guy, let's 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 give him a chance. But, you know, is, is <laughs> well, that Well, in some- a lot of ways, that's true. I mean, my career was already on a particular track before I met any of those guys because I had made my first album, Logic, which was produced by the guys in Toto, and then I was making and, and just had released World Trade, which was with me and... Bruce Gowdy and Guy and Mark Williams and produced by Keith Olsen. And we were getting some great traction. And, and it's at that point that my world intersected with Chris. He heard the demos to world trade and said, Oh, you know, I like what this guy's about. Can we meet? And so he had a mutual record company friend introduce us. And uh, we went out to dinner and hit it off immediately and just started laughing and, and having a great time that night. And, and, we decided let's write a song. So the first song we wrote was The More We Live, uh, which was a real, uh, really great song as a first song. And we knew that there was some magic there between us as a writing team. And so we kept writing music and, and a few of the tracks, one of them ended up on the Yes Years box set called Love Conquers All. Um, the More We Live is on the Yes Union album. And, and along the way, we crafted a bunch of other songs that sort of were about 75, 80% complete, but never found a home. And then once I joined the band, uh, after Open Your Eyes, we had collected enough material where we had uh, enough to put an album out. And Chris and I discussed it and said, let's, let's put this out, but let's, let's come up with a band name for this thing. And uh, so I came up with the idea of conspiracy because, you know, Chris and I had such a tight relationship that the guys in Yes thought we were always up to something. <laughs> so as a joke, you know, we came up with this band name just to uh, to play with their minds a little bit, and, and conspiracy just seemed to fit in our relationship and how we we worked together. And so we put the first album out, which was a collection of songs that we've written over the years. And then the second album was a little more defined in terms of now we are this thing. Let's let's really sit down and think about the kind of record we want to make. And uh, Jay had played a bit on the first one, and Alan White's on the first one, and. Michael Bland played a track on the first one as far as drummers go. But on the, the second one, we decided, you know, let's, let's kind of try to, to keep this more consistent. So Jay Shellen was the drummer throughout on uh, conspiracy of the unknown, which is a, a nice link for those who don't realize, you know, that they think Jay just kind of fell off the boat and lucked his way into yes. There's actually a long history there um, of his relationship in the yes dynamic in that we, you know, we worked really closely with Chris and he had played before with TK. So he seemed like the perfect, perfect choice, but it, it was born out of that conspiracy project, which was, uh, was really something that Chris and I enjoyed doing. And we were, we were always talking about doing another record, pecking around with things, but we just never got around to it because our lives got a little bit busy, but I'm very proud we made those two records and also have that live DVD, which is is something that's really uh, special and I'm glad we have. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really unique project. It holds the test of time, as they say. It really does. And, and you know, quite frankly, I think a lot of 
sort of progressive music holds the taste of time. You know, pop music it has a you know a thirty day shelf space, but but pure rock and prog rock that that you know look fifty years of yes it, it says it all now. I know. World Trade made another album in 2017. You, you took 22 years off and then said, "Hey, it's time to make another <laughs> album." Right? You know, 20, 22 years between albums. You you are the Guns and Roses of the progressive world, um, right? Uh, talk to me about about you know Frontiers comes to you uh, and Frontiers, by the way, great label. They they have given us a lot a lot of great music. Your your solo albums, uh, World Trade, and all these European bands. Um, but talk to me about Unify. Was that sort of the the album that you didn't make in 1996 and figured let's just get it done, or was this sort of a rebirth and say, all right, you know what, let's do one in 2017. Let's maybe look at 2020 for another. Was it the start of something new or was it the end at the, you know, the period at the end of the sentence? Well, I mean, I never say never. And, uh, you know, when we got the opportunity again, Frontiers uh, contacted and, and, and asked if we would reform the original lineup and make a record. And, you know, we all had the time in our schedule to do it. So we, we committed to it and did it. And it felt like we had just kind of picked it up where we left off, you know, in terms of the relationships and the, the musicality and how we all work together with each other. And uh, we really had a great time making the record. And you, you just never know again, you know, if, if, it's, if there's another record to be made there, I'm sure we would all uh, enjoy doing it again because it was a great process and a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it really is. And I know we're going to we're going to run out of time, but I, I've got to ask you this because I've been in and around the rat world forever. And you have credits on the collage album that they put out in um, 96, 97. You even have a bass credit on the song. I want it all. Uh, talk to me about that project and, and working with rat. Did you just sort of go in there and, and suss through some some demos and then just sort of threw them out or? What was the actual no, process? Well, Warren Martini and I had become friendly uh, by virtue of some tribute records. And he said, you know, do you, we're going to make another album uh, called Steel River. That they had this idea they wanted to make this album. And, you know, would you like to produce it? So I had the guys over to my studio and uh, we all worked together on that album in my place and made it from tip to tail. And, uh, you know, I got to... To, to join the rat community there for a little while, which was quite fun because I, you know, I love working on music and all different kinds of genres and I had never quite gone into that world. Uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun to do and great people to hang out with. And, and, you know, again, I'm glad we did it because there it is for all time for people to enjoy. And, you know, I never imagined I would be doing something like that, but you know, when it was done and listening back, it's, it's a very cool record. It is, but you know, I, I've sort of been around the, the rat camp for a while, and, and and at some point, doesn't that dysfunction drive you crazy? I mean, it's just. Well, you know, I let that stuff spiral around me. I don't pay too much attention to that when I'm in producer mode. You know, I'm showing up at the studio, and we have to get stuff done that day. And if there's any politics going on, it's like take it into the to the lobby and leave it out of the control room. Let's get stuff done in here. So I, I kind of, uh, you know, manage the sessions in that way so that we have forward motion every day and it's, it's, it's not a drama and we just get on with it and make, make music and try to make the best of it. So I didn't really, I wasn't privy to any of the 
inner politics. You know, I, I don't get involved with that stuff unless I'm a, a band member. <laughs> that that is that is wise. And of course I remind the folks Citizen in the Next Life uh, comes out July 12th. Uh, on Frontiers, yeah. it is the uh, the second in the in the. And, and in fact, I'll finish with this. Now, it's always better that fans buy music, but do they need to have the first album to to dig the second one? Are are they sort of an A and B? Are, are they a companion piece? No, I, I think you know if you jump in on the second one, you go backwards. You'll you'll be just as uh, educated on the whole process as if you started with the first one and went into the second one because. The concept is such that, uh, as I said earlier, you know, it just allows me to tap into various individuals in history. That's really what the concept of the album is about. And and so the only difference being, as we spoke about, is that there's no guests on this one and there's guests on the first one. So in whichever order they discover it is fine by me. Um, but I think it's for the listener, it's, it's sort of a, you know, time travel adventure and, and a movie for your ears kind of thing. So. Uh, I think they would enjoy it in either format, the first one first or the second one first. Yeah, I think they would. By the way, do you have a desire to to turn this into a movie project where this would be the soundtrack or or turn it into a book where, you know, Uh, do do you see yourself bringing it outside of the music? I kind of stay in my lane. I, I do what I know I can do. And, you know, as Clint Eastwood said, a man's kind of on rotation. So uh, a film producer, I am not. But uh, the concept's there if someone wanted to pick it up and run with it. But I, I don't think I would I wouldn't know the first step of how to make something like that happen. But uh, yeah. it does feel like it's it's made for something like that. That's for sure. Well, uh, we, we need we need Frontiers to open up a, a video production uh Right. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, we do. Uh, Billy, this has been a, an absolute pleasure. Uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of the stuff you've touched, whether it's uh, Quiet Riots, Alive and Well, or the, uh, uh, what was that Ace Fraley tribute that you had a part in? Um, right. Uh, right. A, 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 a space, space Walk or whatever it was called? Space. Spacewalker? Or like oh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? We're going to leave fans hanging here. I'm going to. I'm just going to have to look it up real quick. Give me two seconds. Wiki, wiki. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Because uh, you've also done you stuff Google with wiki. You've also done. Oh, here it is. Spacewalk, a salute to Ace Fraley. There you go. And, and you have there done. There you go. You've done stuff with Bad Company, Dangerous Toys, Paul Rogers, uh, Motorhead, yeah. Air Supply, Air Supply. Oh, hey, I'm seeing from, them from A to Z. <laughs> Pretty oh, much God. Todd me. Rongren, John yeah. Five, man, you, yeah. you know, you, yeah. f- folks need to to Jack to, Russell's solo album, you know, from Great White. Jack is one. Jack is great. There's a lot out there. There's so many I've forgotten. Most of the people William come Shatner up and meet and with albums to, to huh? sign, and I'm like, oh, I forgot about that one. That's right. You know, don't don't forget the William Shatner one. William Shatner, yes, he's a wonderful guy, and that was just an amazing project to do. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of them out there. A lot, lot of great stuff, and of course, uh, the the great new album. So folks, uh, do go check out Citizen in the Next Life. And uh, Billy, as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. Thank you so much for today. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Cheers. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Now back to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. 
there you have it, my interview with uh, Yes's Billy Sherwood. You gotta love that. And uh, before we head over to our interview with uh, John Davison, because I'm not gonna keep you long here, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna shuffle along. Uh, let me just quickly remind you that you can get some beautiful Mitch T-shirts, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon T-shirts at loudtracks.com forward slash Mitch, loudtracks.com forward slash Mitch. And uh, some of you have been wondering about the uh, theme song. I, I put out a call. I said, hey, if you got some theme songs, uh, you know, that are Mitch Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon related, send them over to MitchMinute at AOL.com and I will run them. I have had a chance to run one. And so uh, I do apologize for that. I will uh, I will do an episode come up uh, coming up and I will feature all of them if I have to. I have been uh, on the road and this and I just haven't had a chance to uh, listen to them and slot them in. But they but they will get used. Anyway, without further ado, well, you know what? Without further ado, head over to loudtracks.com forward slash Mitch. Pick up a t-shirt or two. In fact, I will be the first to say here in July that Christmas is coming up and you might want to get your shopping in early. Avoid the lineups. Don't bother parking at the mall. Just dial up loudtracks.com forward slash Mitch and grab your shirts now. All right. Enough gratuitous plugging. I am not meant for that. Uh, You know, I... Man, oh man. Anyway... Here is from July of 2018. It is an encore presentation of Yes Singer John Davison. And so, without further ado, here is the talented, the mighty John Davison. We are speaking with Yes vocalist John Davison. They are currently on their 50th anniversary tour yes 50 celebrating 50 years of yes and uh, john absolute pleasure talking to you well you too mitch how you doing good good and it is I'm so just, uh, stepping out of the tour bus here oh good we're at foxwoods casino in connecticut we have a day off and i like to just do a little walk around here it's really pretty so i'll do that while we're doing the interview a good walk and talk so Talk to me about this this Yes 50 tour now. The dates run till the end of July. Are we looking at uh, putting out more dates in the fall, or is this sort of, we're done for this year and we'll talk to you in 2019? Yeah, we've kind of left it with the latter. So we're not sure if we're going to do much work uh, with the rest of this year, within the rest of this year. Um, and that's all I really know right now. I, I do know that Everyone's getting excited to write a new album, so I imagine that the remaining part of this year will be um, wrapped up with doing all of that. And that I'm looking forward to. You know, when you when you joined the band, uh, the members had gone on on record as saying that you added a, a whole fresh dimension, and they loved writing with you. Uh, talk to me about that first album, Heaven and Earth, and where do you sort of see? a next new album going. So, so we'll start off with heaven and earth. What, what was that like? You know, you know, these guys had this long, long storied career pedigree that you couldn't, you know, deny. And here's the new kid for the lack of a better word, sitting down to write with them. What was that experience like for you? Exhilarating. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. And I got to, you know, get to know each member so much better just with all the hang time 
you know, I would visit Steve and him and I would write one-on-one kind of thing and, and uh, the same for all the members. And so that was a really special time to sort of step back from the touring pace of things and just spend time together as friends, listen to music, write music. It, it became a lifestyle that was, a, you know, really, really rewarding. Yeah. And, and I have a, a fun connection to that album as well, is that uh, the guy who mastered it, Mayor Applebaum, is a personal friend of mine. So uh, we'll talk about Oh, yeah, that he's a, great. Isn't he? Yeah, isn't he fantastic? I, I love that guy. Mm-hmm. He, he did some work for me uh, mastering some stuff I had to get done. Um, you also had Roy Thomas Baker. Uh, produced the album and of course Roy has done all kinds of great stuff he's done some cheap trick albums and some queen albums and all for you coming in and you know I know the word's not going to be appropriate but I'll use it anyway as a rookie in this context of being in yes what was it like to work with a producer like Roy who has this this career and and vision of what music should be and could be um, do you learn from him? Did, did you watch him or did you just sort of get, have no involvement? No, I was very much involved and, and could, as you say, really watch him in the studio and just try to learn from a master, someone that's been, you know, that's very accomplished, that has gone through so much um, successful experience in the field. So I did just that. I just really analyzed him and watched him and tried to stay out of his way when that was appropriate. And, and it was. Um, so, so talk to me in terms of, of being the vocalist in, in a, a band like Yes. Do, do you still have aspirations to do your own solo material and speak outside and still do, you know, Glass Hammer or, or Sky Cries Mary and that kind of stuff? Or right now is your sole focus just to be the vocalist of Yes. Well, one thing I've learned, Mitch, is never step in front of the muse. So you don't want to direct, you know, a creative flow or lack of it by saying, I want to do this. You just, you know, go with the the inspirational flow. So I'm always open to working with anyone at any time if the creativity is happening. Right. And and so what prompts the creativity? Is it is it... Uh, writing a great song? Is it a great musical idea? What what sort of gets you in that mood to create? A strong cup of coffee in the morning. Right. That's that's that's. But um, in addition to that, of course, you know, it's it's a whole lifestyle thing. So you, ha- I like to have my little ritual. You know, wake up and have coffee and pick up the guitar and just kind of like let the morning, you know engulf you you know so the inspiration comes from anything and everything it it really really does um i want to ask you about about the art of interviewing and and i'll I'll explain you told me off off the record that you that you're not very good at doing this but i think you're doing great but what is it about an interview that that sort of gets you um I don't know, stressed out or what is it that, that makes you uncomfortable? Cause it's, it's a great way to, to say who you are, what you are and what you're doing. Yeah. I, I generally get cornered with the same questions that Which I've are? always gotten. So what was it like when you got the call? Right. And you know, just things I've answered a thousand times. So 
if there's any hesitancy on my part, it's just because I've told the story so many times. So that's kind of a... Right, I get that. But the right interviewer, as you are, you're asking me, you know, new questions. And uh, so it makes the interview run much more smoothly. Well, okay, let me... Let me take you up on that because listen, there. When you talk about a band like Yes or or Foreigner or Kiss or Metallica or whoever it is, there are those you must ask kind of questions, you know. And right now we're, we're talking about the tour and new music. That sort of you have to ask that. But if you had your way, what is something that a fan listening in should know about you that you haven't talked about, or what is a subject that you want to talk about because that. I find that interesting, you know, like today I was speaking with Lou Graham, and of course everybody asks him about the Double Vision album and Head Games, and all, but we spoke about this Mr. Moonlight album. Um, what is something that, that you would like to, 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 to talk about that maybe fans don't know about you? And by the way, this is all going to go on air. We're, we're, we're going live with this. Hmm. I'm a pretty private person, Mitch. Okay. Um... Yeah, so that's that's hard to answer. Um, okay, well then let me ask you this then. Before you okay. got the yes gig, you were doing Glass mm. Hammer. You were doing Sky Cries Mary. Talk to me about the challenges of getting an original band up and running or having a band out there doing... Uh, and getting discovered because it's, it's easy to join. Yes, I mean they have fifty years of history. You know they're going to get booked. You know they're going to have interviews lined up. You know there's going to be a record deal down the road. Talk to me about mm-hmm. being. Talk to me being outside of that scope. What was it like trying to get noticed in today's world, today's marketplace, today's record? You know, um, what were some of the challenges you faced in those bands? Well, not to put a damper on the question, but. When I was in Sky Cries Mary in the 90s, the whole industry was completely different. It was a different dynamic right. than if we were a young band today struggling to be recognized. It was just a different world. And with Glass Hammer, they had already been going on. You know, they have a huge discography. And I think they started in the early 90s. And so I came into something that was already you know, a, a well-oiled machine. So I'm sorry, I can't really accurately answer that due to lack of experience, I guess you'd say. So, okay, so so then you you've, you've, you had Glasshammer that had this experience. You had Yes that had this experience. Where do you fall in terms of wanting to do your own thing? Is that something that, that's important to you, to, to go out there and be John Davison, solo artist, or, you know, guy in this band that I started myself? Or are you comfortable being the guy that comes in and helps out or or takes over for an established band? Yeah, it's kind of both. You know, as a vocalist, I'm more content just kind of stepping in and fitting into the vocal tapestry of Yes, and that there's always three harm, harm, you know, there's a harmony of three voices going. And due to the nature of my voice, that's a God given gift in the sense that I have the high register. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not tooting my own horn saying I'm an amazing singer, but there is a blessing that I was built for this type of singing, just in terms of physicality. Um, 
So I have found an identity as a vocalist, an appropriate identity in the context, in the world of yes. Um, Doing my own thing, I have found, honestly, I'm just being very candid, but I found that's been a bit more of a struggle to find my identity as a vocalist in original music outside that sort of symphonic quality that's in yes. I've yet to... Of course, I've had that in Glass Hammer, but I mean, if I was to just go and do my own thing purely, like a solo record, quote unquote, I would um, I would find it interesting because when I sit and pick up a guitar and play, a lot of times it's outside the context of yes, even though progressive rock in general and yes music is very broad from where it derives inspiration. It's not necessarily, it's, it's a whole new identity that I'm still working on to develop. And um, I would be just as excited being the guitar player or bass player in a role, I, I mean, that kind of role in a new band, and work with other singers. And then I could do high harmony stuff. I can always add that later, but it wouldn't really be John Davison from Yes, Here's the Soul Record. I'm much more interested in the context of prog music to work with like-minded musicians that are in that genre. And collaborative effort is the most exciting for me. And that's where I found my role so far. But then again, as an instrumentalist, I would like to do my own record, but working with other singers and not so much having it be about me as the lead vocalist, but as a collaborator and instrumentalist. That right. was a very long-winded answer. I hope that makes no, sense. No, no, that was a great answer. So so then let me let me take okay. you back to, to we were talking about the Heaven and Earth album. When you come in to record mm-hmm. that, does the band come to you and say, "Hey, listen, we've had these classic vocalists, we've had this sound, go study them, listen to them and, you know, come and be that guy?" Or did you have a certain freedom to be John? You know, did you have to fit into a mold? Which John? <laughs> right. No. Yeah, no, not Anderson, uh, Davison. Did you have a chance oh, to be okay. you? Or did they say, listen, we had a John, go be that, you know, right? Did you have a freedom to, to do your own thing within the music? Or were you confined, for the lack of a better word, to a box where this is what yes sounds like. Now you go figure out how to sound like this. No, it wasn't anything spoken like that or, or even felt. There wasn't that kind of in, intention because, again, I was collaborating with the other members. And like my previous answer, I was making the point that, you know, in the context of Yes or working with other musicians, the music tends to naturally fall into what is the collective intention, the aim, the goal of, you know, in this case, a Yes record. So you know, had I just come with my own songs, they might've said, well, this isn't quite the direction we want to go in, or it doesn't have a yes essence. As I was saying earlier that, you know, I write different types of music or when I just pick up a guitar, it comes out a bit differently and explores other genres. So again, it's um, with heaven and earth, it was a collaboration. So we were pretty on point with where we wanted to go with it. Right. Um, so let me ask you about that. When you come into a band like Yes, and they've been around for all these years, are you mm-hmm. surprised that they welcomed you with such open arms and said, hey, we want you to write on the record? 
because it could have been very easy for them to say, hey, we're the leaders here. We're the boss. You just go, you know, we'll tell you when to wag the tail. Um, are you surprised yeah. how welcoming they were and how open they were to have your input? Yeah, I was. I very much was. And then, you know, just getting to know them a bit better, I could see that that's really what's always kept Yes thriving is, you know, all the different members that have been in Yes have come in and blended in a unique way and have added in their own special way. So, you know, Yes evolves that way. That's a very healthy thing. It really is. And and it makes for better for better music because when you have everybody that feels vested into the project, it's it's certainly a lot mm-hmm. better than well, we're the boss here and you're just gonna do what we what we tell you. Um Steve how Yeah, because really ultimately it's about the music. And that's what I like. They always put the music first beyond egos or any stupid, you know, games that some might play. You know, it's just about, well, this is a, a band today. This is, we're five members. Let's see how the music sounds with this unique blend. Yeah, and, and that's what I like about the band is that it, it doesn't seem to be politicized, at least when they're making a new album. It, it, you know, it, it's whoever's in the band now gets, gets a voice. Um, I just want to quickly talk about Steve Howe, just one of these lack of a better word, genius musicians. I mean, just he, uh, he, absolutely phenomenal at what he does. What was that like for you that first time you got to meet him and, and working with him now and, and being on stage and you, you get to look over your shoulder and there he is. Um, talk to me a little bit about Steve. Now that's one of those, that's one of those questions I've answered before. I mentioned before right. <laughs> that I've had to answer many times, but that's okay. Because um, it's nonetheless, to his credit, an important question to answer. Because, I mean, obviously, it goes without saying, he's a genius. And to grow up listening to a genius that you admire so greatly, and then to be, you know, invited into his, his thing is, it's just really surreal, but it also brings out the best in you. And then you realize, your true potential when you're around such magnetic personalities right. such as Steve. Yeah, he, he really is a, a How's great... that? I tried to answer it differently than I... Than you yeah. normally do. Yeah, you know, listen, <laughs> you, you have to have... There, there is a certain uh, stock quality to, to doing interviews, right, where you have to have... There, there's, there are some points you have to hit. Because a fan will write mm-hmm. you and say, how dare you interview Gene Simmons and not ask about Paul Stanley? And it's like, well, <laughs> hey, you know, you got, you got to do what you got to do. Um, talk to me, if you can, then. Maybe this has been asked before, but about the audition process. Did, did you have to sit there in, in sort of a cattle call and, 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 and sell your wares? Or what was that like sort of getting into the band and, and them coming to you? Was it... Was it more organic or was it more sort of like, well, you're one of 10 and we'll see? No, I just simply got a call and they said, we have a tour that's already booked in six weeks in Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Indonesia, and we need you to sing for the band. I mean, that was it. And I said, well, surely there's an audition. And they said, there's not going to be one. So I didn't have to contend with 
any other singer on any level. I just stepped in and, you know, there we went. And I don't even think I ever got a, an official, you know, outstretched hand saying, let's shake on it. You're in the band. I mean, it was just, hey, we'll see you in the summer. See you in a couple months. Well, that's so. remarkable. <laughs> that's a remarkable story. <laughs> yeah. no, nobody's done that for me. Um, now, <laughs> now, of course, the band is on, as we said, this 50th anniversary tour. And of course, the band is not going to sort of go on forever. Where do you sort of see yourself? What's sort of your 10-year plan? Like once the band retires or the band uh, ceases to exist, do you have this desire to keep uh, the music of, of Yes going? Do you sort of look around and say, uh-oh, what now? How have you sort of foreseen the next 10 years playing out for you? No, I absolutely um, envision the Yes music going on, certainly. And I'll do anything I can not to propel my own ego, but just because that's the nature of Yes music. Um, you know, Yes 50 isn't just a testament to the, the past and everything that's happened up to this point. It's also a confirmation that if Yes music can transcend so much, all the changes through the decades and last 50 years, well, why not another 50 years? That's a, it's a confirmation of that. Why not another 100 years? So on and so forth. And even members of Yes, past and present, have always said, Yes, music could potentially go on forever. And why not? I mean, look at the great classical works that are timeless. Yeah. I think Yes has that same kind of quality. And that's something I want to say to, you know, fans that are so divided now. That's the worst thing about all of this. It's not even members in Yes and members in ARW. It's the fans that bicker, that, that, that fight, that it's sad because, you know, ultimately this music isn't about any one personality. You know, music's from a higher source. It's an inspiration. And these conduits of this inspiration, you know, need to be acknowledged for you know, the great work that they brought to the public, but the music has to go on even without the personality. You know, we would think it's an absurd notion today, looking back a hundred years, people, you know, at the time Mozart passed, did they said, oh, we'll never go see a concerto of his work because he's no longer there to conduct it. That would be ridiculous to our standards today, but people are doing that in essence with all the bickering among the fans. And I hope John Anderson has a long life ahead of him and I'd love to sing with him someday. And he's a hero of mine, but you know, the fan, his fans, not him, but his fans think that this music can't exist or be performed if he's not doing it. And that's just not so accurate because it's more about the music and less about the personality, but it's hard for people to see that now because we're too close to the origin of yes. We're only within 50 years. But as time goes on, people more and more will naturally embrace this idea that the music can go on forever, and it's not ultimately about the ego or personality. It's about the timeless music. Yes, yeah, and I agree with that. And, and in fact, I was having that conversation earlier with, with, with Lou Graham. There is a Beethoven-esque quality to what all these bands have done yes rolling stones beatles kiss aerosmith you know people in 2121 are going to be listening to this stuff and of course there won't be any original members left by then and who cares 
You know, if if right. if roundabout or, or rock and roll all night or, or walk this way, float your boat, well, let it float your boat, you know, and, and just be glad that it's there. And so you're very, very right, right. about that, you know. Um, and there you go. So, John, see? We we did it. We got to twenty minutes. That was great. It's, it's fabulous. And <laughs> we, we had a few uh, lofty concepts going about there, but it's nonetheless true. And I hope people are at least receptive to some of the things I said today. I I'm I want sh- everybody to get along. And the music is so inspiring, and it can be so healing. And you know, the lyrics are about high vibration go on. And then there's just the complete opposite. There's just ugliness on on the internet. It's just so unfortunate for everybody. Yeah, I think I think the most important thing as a as a rock uh, star or as a performer is to just not read the internet. <laughs> Get on stage, do the stuff because there, there's going to be ten thousand people in that audience that just don't really care what is being said on Facebook, and <laughs> that's the way it should be. Yeah. I'm not even actively on Facebook. I have a musician's page that a third party kind of manages. And as people will notice, it's sort of crumbling. Right. <laughs> um, because I just not putting that much into it because I, I'm just kind of discouraged with the mode of behavior online. And I don't even want to have a Facebook. And I'm just going to say that to all the naysayers out there that I'm not reading all your criticisms. I'm oblivious to them. I might hear on the periphery, that oh somebody said something but i i never ask i never want to know the details so it's an act of futility to put me down any further because i'm not even reading it yeah and and nor should you high vibration go on absolutely uh john great pleasure today thank you so so much you're welcome mitch and uh hopefully we'll get to do this again soon and would love to see you in montreal uh shortly okay cool yeah great talking to you Yep. Cheers. Thank you, John. Let me turn turn off. Are this. we off the record now? You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk.